Greetings. Welcome to In Conversation with Trevor, brought to you by Heart and Soul Broadcasting Services. I go beyond the headlines and beyond the sensational. Today I'm in conversation with John Masugu, media consultant, radio trainer, and a veteran broadcaster. If you enjoy this conversation, remember to subscribe, like, and share. John Masugu, welcome to In Conversation with Trevor. Thank you very much, Trevor. It's so nice to be with you in conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Brad John, when I was reading your profile, you took me back to what our generation calls the good old days. The days of uh, Maguire Godzongere, Webster Shamu, Wellington Bofana, um, Ephraim Chamber, Musi Kumalo. What, what, what a talented of, uh, what a group of talented people. A lot of Which talent. Which is where you come from. Yes, a lot of talent there. I joined in 1974 as a youngster, straight from a secondary school, I wouldn't say high school, uh, because uh, the rest of my education, I had to continue while I was on the job. Mm. So it was quite exciting. And I think I, I joined almost at the same time with James Makamba, who was on the commercial side. Those days were the number of private commercial houses where the Ephraim Chambers you are mentioning, the Wellington Bufanas, the Steve Kavais, uh, the Sam Matambos had moved to. John Matinde. Yes, they started off at the RBC African Service and moved to those commercial houses. Mm. So, but uh, their programs were all broadcast uh, on the same service. Ha so, yes, those are people who worked with, and uh, some of us remained on the service reading news, uh, doing soccer commentaries, early morning shows. I was a DJ for some time. You remember, I was called Little Johnny Be Good <laughs> or Itch Machi Get Tuesday in Sindebele and so forth. Yeah. Very exciting times indeed. Very exciting times. You know, w w when you look at where we are right now in terms of our profession, what, what goes through your mind, John? Well, I see a lot of changes, uh, progressive changes and some having been a build-up of what uh, we do in the olden days. I always believe that times change. And when you look at them, you know, they will not always be the same. I tell people that I worked under, I think it should be four governments. When I joined, it was the Rhodesia Broadcasting Corporation under Ian Smith. And then later on, there was the short-lived Zimbabwe Rhodesia, which was Smith, Ichrau, Zorewa, and so forth. And then at Independence, we had uh, uh, the government of Prime Minister Robert Mkabe, and now we have the Second Republic. So all those have different characteristics that you cannot ignore, and different promises that they've given to the media and structures that they've come up with. As you're talking right now, I, I, I close my eyes almost. I can, I can, I can hear you on radio too. Um, all those beautiful programs that you 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 used to to present to us. Absolutely amazing. I mean, I, I did... Let me put it this way, Trevor. Mm. You imagine me uh, on the RBC African Service first time. I don't know how old you were. <laughs> and then uh, I moved over to the news department to do Radio Newsreel, The World This Week, as well as read news on television. 
And on radio too, mm. I would come back mainly for the special events, like the Prime Minister's Question Time, you know, the special events of the coming back of the heroes uh, of the national struggle to be reburied in Zimbabwe and so forth. I'm so proud that uh, I was given that opportunity wow. of covering most of the important events. You are part of our history, aren't you? Thank you very much. I mean, you've lived through all of it. You've had a front uh, raw seat of witnessing our history. Yes, it's exciting because although uh, I was working inside the country, but I also followed uh, radio uh, because I always, always try to bring radio mm. in its holistic sense. Talk about radio, the radio that we're doing here mm. inside the country in Rhodesia. But there was also radio mm. outside uh, Zimbabwe of uh, our brothers and sisters who had crossed, who were running stations in Ethiopia, in Russia, in Angola, in Mozambique, and so forth. So lest we forget, that is also part of, mm. part of our history. Mm. Because those same people are the ones who then came to lead radio at independence. Mm. I talk, talk, talk about you as being part of, of our history. And I'll take you to a, an uncomfortable space now, which is also part of our history, because it defines in many respects what's happened to this country. The year is 2000. You clash with the Minister of Information and Publicity in the President's office, Jonathan Moyo. Walk us through, set the scene for us. What had you done? What had he done? <laughs> well, I'll contextualize. I know my colleague, Tapuma Machakaire, whenever he writes, he likes including that story because I was with him. First of all, I'd forgotten about it until I read it in his book, Notes for News. Mm. And then quite recently, he was writing about me as the international campaign coordinator for World Radio Day for UNESCO. What had happened was that we were meeting and those were the days uh, the government was uh, uh, preparing to open the airwaves and uh, the minister had come to Blawayo because at that time I was the controller of Montreal Studios in Blawayo. So we did discussion. Uh, my former lecturer, Professor Jonathan Moyo, one of my best lecturers in political science, you know, uh, we met uh, and when we're discussing about opening up of the airwaves and they were saying, uh, yes, let them be open and we have many players and so forth, he didn't immediately, <laughs> you know, agree with me. And that, that is what uh, my friend uh, Tapuma <laughs> then went on to, to write about. So that is the context of that. Mm. But the background is that, uh, yes, I, I'd been, uh, I'd known the professor for quite some time as my lecturer at the University of Zimbabwe, uh, where I went to as an adult student. I was mm. already the the station manager of Radio One. And you disagreed in this instance? Yes, well, uh, well, I would say he disagreed. He disagreed, <laughs> yeah, he with, disagreed okay. with me. Right. Yeah, there was no further argument. <laughs> uh, I, I, I got the point from my boss. Yeah, yes. yeah. but there were consequences. There were, there were big changes that happened at ZBC. Well, walk, walk us through what then happened afterwards. Well, yes, there were changes. That is the time when most of us who had been there were actually retrenched, starting with us. We were controllers, which meant we were like assistant directors. In fact, they started off with the directors who were there, and then they came to us as controllers. And then there were a whole lot of people who were then retrenched after us and so forth. And one would sense that most you know, of the instructions or most of the activities 
now coming. I, I can't remember whether it's in Ilikwenda or Munumtapa yeah. and so forth. But uh, you, 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 you know why I'm laughing. That is why. You know why I'm laughing, uh, yes. John. Because you're such a diplomat. I didn't realize you're such a diplomat. <laughs> but anyway, continue. Yeah. yeah so you, that, that you, you got why. the sense that the instructions are coming from Likwenda. Uh, yeah. Was it Likwenda or Munumtapa yeah, yeah. and so forth? So that is the time when we left. And this is the time when I joined Radio Voice of the People, which uh, was uh, described, uh, you know, as a pirate radio station. It was a private station. Right? By your former lecturer. Uh, uh, yeah, you as a minister. Mm. Then the board uh, came in. Uh, it was led by the former governor of the Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe, uh, Dr. Gideon Gono. Mm. So we left when he was the chairperson of the board. And uh, Alan Pofu, mm. he was the CEO, a colleague of ours. Mm. Uh, we ended up being a CEO. That's the time when we, quite a number of us uh, left. Yeah, others remained in broadcasting. What would you others... say, what would you say, Brad, John, if I say that was a regrettable part of uh, your career, the way it ended, yeah. the, the, the carnage at yes. ZBC, yes. Alan Boff, may he so rest in peace. Yes. Well, regrettable and not regrettable because you know what happens in life. I know you have an example as well, Trevor, because once upon a time you were fired from somewhere, but look at where you are today uh, because new things uh, came uh, on board. So regrettable in the sense that one is not ready to leave a place, but uh, you know, opportunities galore because you then find yourself in different situations mm. which you can then explore and still remain in broadcasting, uh, it was not easy to remain, uh, especially in VOP, considering how the government of the day, starting from uh, my former lecturer, Jonathan, uh, right up to now, uh, you know, you know, we were considered as pirate mm. stations. But uh, it preserved my broadcasting career. That's mm. why you still call me a broadcaster. <laughs> <laughs> I love us, Brad John, getting lessons from what we go through. What did that particular event teach you? What is it like going through that? Because it's something else. I mean, you talk about me being fired. I was fired to the Financial Gazette. It was painful. It was one of the most painful times of my life. Yes. Um, but now that I'm here, when I look back, what a blessing it was. Yes. But it taught me a number of things. Like we said when we started, it taught me that the people that you think are friends when times are good, uh, are not always there when times are tough. What did this experience teach you? Well, it taught me that you should always be prepared for tomorrow. And, uh, you know, if you don't fit in a particular change uh, and you are gotten rid of, you know, you should not regret either uh, you join <laughs> or you're kicked out. So in this case, we're kicked out, but that was not the end of the story, like mm. I said. Uh, was it for, painful it, being kicked out? Talk to me about Well, that. I saw it coming. So by the time it happened, it wasn't that painful. Bit by bit, I saw it uh, coming. Let me tell you, it started off with the advertisements for senior positions uh, at ZBC, which uh, we applied for, most of us. I applied, I think, for two. One was being general manager of radio, and the other was to do it through production. <laughs> I never got responses to any of them. Uh, and, and, and I never got any acknowledgement. Uh, so when I saw that happening, I just knew that it was coming. 
And then announcements were made uh, about who had succeeded in those interviews. And I remember some of the people who were employed uh, in those positions were about number six or number seven from my position. So just before we were told the bitter truth, uh, already I knew that it was coming. And when you know something is coming, you really you know, prepare for yourself for departure or for plan B. Uh, you remind me, a friend of mine who is my current uh, executive producer for Economic Forum, uh, Justice Hiwayo, uh, he came to Montrose, he was doing a, a documentary on Mama Mafuyane with Abigail Mfududu. And he said, Apati, you are leaving today. This is your last day after 27 or 28 years with the ZBC. But you don't seem to be bitter and so forth. And they said, why should I be bitter with, you know, this uh, string of events that uh, uh, has been happening? And uh, I then remember walking to my car on that last day at Montreal Studios, seeing members of staff who I administered in a bus, and I drove away with my few belongings, uh, and I, I went home. And that was it. But I never looked back, because here I am right now, and uh, I've even gone uh, to greater heights, uh, mm. uh, up to... Yeah, consulting for the United Nations. I'll stop you there and uh, we'll, we'll take a break. Uh, please don't go away. Um, join us uh, after the break for my conversation with John Masugu. I'm going to ask you what it was like to run the voice of the people in a very hostile environment. I'm afraid. Why should I come? I said, no, I won't come until you tell me. I said, there's no more office. Hmm. The offices had been bombed. Welcome back for our conversation with Brad John Masugu, uh, a man that I respect quite a lot. Uh, like you, when we started, you said, you know, I saw you when you were young. Yes, indeed. Yes, as a young man at the University of Zimbabwe, we used to come to you sitting on a small desk with Thomas Dewey and uh, Ngadze, you know, and I used to call you to my programs. But here you are, Mr. Chairman. You, you <laughs> did a lot to get me to where I am. Mm. And, and that's, that's the beauty about life, eh? Mm. And, he, and here we are. Um, sitting. John, Rajon, talk to me about how you got to get your job at ZBC. Uh, it, it sounds like a very interesting story. How, how did you know they were looking for somebody? How did you get to the interviews? Talk to me about the experience and lessons learned into getting into ZBC. Oh, I, I oh. love telling that story. But first of all, you should remember that uh, broadcasting was for the Masugus. We already had Jafet Masugu, ah, Ichazelin Desayo, yes, if you remember. Yes. We also had Joseph Masugu, Usbakobe, Inyoningane, Uzond Moya, Upunyungampet. And uh, my father was a non-microphone member of the RBC. Who was, was a commissioner. Was he was called uh, uh, Jeremiah Masugu. Mm -hmm. He worked uh, at head office at, at Pocket Seal. And uh, yeah, you know, almost uh, all of us passed through wow. ZBC. Like what used to happen if a father worked at the National Railways, most likely they should, <laughs> if he worked at the municipality, you know, it was the same thing. So coupled with the fact that in broadcasting, they wanted people who were bilingual, very bilingual mm. because of my upbringing, having been born in Harare, but learning Debele at home and also visiting our rural home, uh, uh, it was easy. 
it, it was an easy walk for me mm. to join the then African service mm. of the RBC, which is now, which became Radio 2 and now Radio Zimbabwe. So, so it happened. Mm, it took no, me about I must recruit. take you to think, because mm. isn't Develia Kuluma yeah. fluently? Yes. Sean or no Taura fluently? Yeah. Taura Ninti. In Moro Trev. Sorry, I, I break your stride. Yes, the job. Let's go back to the job, how you got the job. So, in 1973, a veteran broadcaster by the name Akriti Kumete, mm. who was the brother to the late uh, former mathematics teacher of mine, Duniso oh. Kumete, uh, died somewhere near Nyati, was attending a funeral. And uh, you would only join uh, broadcasting uh, because uh, of someone who would have left or died uh, because the turnover was very, very long. So uh, Akriti uh, was a very experienced uh, and well-liked broadcaster. And I just finished my O-levels at Eiffel Secondary School. The results had come out. And uh, they were now looking for a replacement to the later critical matter. And uh, I think my father grabbed the chance to say, look here, you, you, uh, I have a son who meets all the qualifications. Mm. So uh, this is why I was invited to an audition by Mr. Amon Yamambi, who is still around, and the late Dominic Mandija, uh, may his dear soul rest in peace, is late. They interviewed me or auditioned me in Debele, Shona, English, advertising and everything. And they were very happy with my audition and they recommended my employment and I was interviewed by the director of the African service, Bruce Becker, <laughs> single-handedly, <laughs> and he gave me the job in 1974. That was around, the results were out, uh, I got the audition, that was around uh, March, April already, I was working at Mbari Studios, but it took some time before I could go on air mm. because I had to pass a test, you know, with the police that are I was not throwing stones in Highfield. Really? So vetting. you had to be vetted? I had to be vetted by the, the police. So it took quite some time before I could actually, you know, announce on air. So I, I started the uh, end of May. I was already on air mm. and I was being publicized in Radio Post, a magazine that there is a new kid on the block. Mm. John Masugu, you'll, hear, you'll be hearing a lot about him. And the listeners who are still around are still hearing a lot mm. from me because mm. I'm still in broadcasting. Mm. I also went into television. I was doing television Mashonaland. I interviewed the likes of the late Reverend Nabani Stole, William Ernest Somondo. You know, the politicians, you know, of yesteryear uh, in, on TV Mashonaland, many people don't know about it. It's a, it was a television station meant for the black people over the weekend. And I used to do uh, the current affairs programs there. Uh, which were broadcast uh, on TV Mashonaland as well as TV Matebeland, but still employed at Harare Studio, which is now Mbari Studio uh, in Salisbury, which is Harare today. So when I started, uh, Brajon, I said you are a media consultant, a radio trainer, uh, television presenter. Which of this do you enjoy the most? And, and I find myself enjoying almost all of them. But of course, I have a bias mm. for radio because that's where I've been for a long time. And that's where I've advanced uh, myself, you know, having joined straight after my uh, O levels. I then went to the University of Zimbabwe later in my life where I was taught by Professor Jonathan Moore, the mm. Makumbes uh, of this world, the Masungures and so forth. 
And then I also went to Stellenbosch University, mm. where I did uh, my master's in journalism. And uh, in most of the studies, I was focusing on radio. And so I also opened a, a journalism yeah, so college. We're going to go, yes. going to go there. What, what uh, education were you doing at, at UZ? And, uh, I did political science and political public science. administration. And you did this when you were an adult, when you were yes, working. Yes, I, I was actually the station manager of the former European service. Why did you radio. decide to go for a, a dish, uh, extra education when you were already employed? Well, I, I just felt it that it was important to expand my horizons. And uh, I, I knew I was going to be doing even bigger things that needed much broader understanding. Mm -hmm. In fact, at that time, I had also been traveling around the world as a consultant, before I even had this, I, I went, I was seconded by ZBC to work at Radio Botswana, uh, where I was teaching uh, the announcers there uh, at the request of UNESCO. Mm. So this current consultancy is number two to that one. And I can tell you that of the lot that I had in 1988, mm. one of them is now the director of Radio Botswana, Kidrili Wakwena. Mm. Yes. So I also went round on behalf of FAO, training agricultural demonstrators about how to use radio. I also went around uh, on behalf of the Red Cross uh, in order to train you know, Red Cross information officers mm. on how to mm. disseminate information on radio and write newsletters. All that I was doing when I was working at ZBC and the ZBC board would actually you know, choose me to say, this is the person we can send who can do those things uh, at a time because you would go there you do the radio, you do slide management, mm -hmm. as, well, as well as the newsletter. And yes. Stellenbosch, what were you doing at Stellenbosch? A master's in journalism. Okay. And my, my, my thesis was on ZBC, the way they covered uh, the, the unit accord, mm -hmm. you know, between uh, MDC, then led by uh, Dr. Morgan Tsangirai, and uh, uh, with ZANU-PF led by the late president, Robert Mugabe. It's there online, and I see many people have cited them, especially those uh, who do studies in public broadcasting. Fantastic. And you started Radio 4. Was it, was I it? was one of the one founders. One of the founders of yes, Radio 4. Uh, Radio 4 was the educational channel. And you know, the history behind that, Trevor, is that the then Prime Minister, Robert Mugabe, who loved the BBC and loved British education, and you knew very well that uh, our ex-president, you know, on many trips, wherever I was going, he would pass through London, you know, and so forth. So he invited uh, the BBC to come and study ZBC and make recommendations on how it would move forward. Mm. So this is when the BBC came here. We spent some time with them. And in the end, they recommended that uh, we needed, there were only two radio channels, which was uh, the African service, which yeah. had become Radio 2, as well as Radio 1. Mm. But those names, if you notice, Radio 1, Radio 2, Radio mm. 4, mm. the BBC the names. BBC if, yeah, template. If, yeah, even the, even the titles that we had, a controller, this controller. That, all BBC. Uh, that was, because when I, I then went to train at the BBC, you know, I met all those things. So the, the Radio 4 was established in order mm. to help with the reconstruction and rehabilitation of the country after our bitter liberation struggle. Mm. So we had programs there that were talking about how ministries, NGOs, and mm. so forth uh, could work together uh, in order uh, to rebuild the country, Zimbabwe, that had come out of uh, a war. So tell me, you, you um, so 1974 to 1982, you were producer 
presenter, senior producer, presenter ZBC. And then 1995 to 1998, we are controller radio services. Which is Nine, all the radio stations. Yeah, t- talk to me about, for you, what were the highlights? What would you consider to be the one or two significant achievements that you put under your belt during that, during that time, 1974 to 1998? So many highlights. I, I, want, I, can, I want one or two. <laughs> I can come up with. But uh, especially making our stations viable, it was not easy. Hmm. You know, sustainability, because also uh, as a public broadcaster, funding was getting low. So we had to make sure that our programs were exciting and we clearly separated the roles so that there was no duplication, which is something I always talk about even nowadays, that diversity, mm. you know, is very, very important so that when people are listening uh, to a radio station, they should not always feel that they are mm. listening to one station. So, uh, yes, we introduced uh, the new languages. Uh, I was part of that. I did quite a lot of that with my friend Chris Somo, mm. who was in charge of... Uh, where is Chris? He's late. Oh, May his DSO May his rest. DSO rest yeah. So that uh, system of introducing more languages uh, for news and also the Radio 4 that I was talking about was slowly transforming mm. from an educational channel which carried the audiovisual services programs as well as other developmental programs to be a, a languages program. Mm. So whereby if you wanted to listen to different languages and learn them, you knew the station to tune to was Radio 4. But if you wanted Zimbabwean music, African music, Zimbabwean stories and so forth, you knew you tune to Radio 2. And if you wanted to listen to popular music and Is so forth... Is that set up still there, John? To some extent, I, I, I think it's still there. You think it's Yeah, there. it's still there. I, I do listen uh, time and again. I, think, uh, I, I, think I like the, that. Yeah, I, I think like it's still that. there. So... so um, uh, clearly, I can sense. I must own up, uh, Brad John. I, I do not listen to uh, ZBC. Um, I have not watched ZTV for over twenty years. Uh, because That's of the kind, yeah, absolutely. But yeah. Uh, I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm not no, I will not punish myself. <laughs> I care about my health and my blood pressure. John, let's go to you being executive director of the Voice of the People. That, but that must have been tough. In the first instance, great, you're out of a job and then you get a job. Immediately. Immediately. Yes. Um, what were the trials? And the oh, so many what trials. Were, yeah, let's go there. Yeah, so many trials and tribulations. As soon as I left uh, my job at ZBC, I get a call from an old friend of mine, uh, Dr. Sarah Chihumbu, who is now lecturing at the University of Johannesburg. She had approached me earlier on and I said, Sarah, I cannot leave ZBC now. I've already spent more than 25 years. That was around 2000. And uh, it would be nice uh, you know, to, to end maybe with a, a pension or some retrenchment of some, some sort and just leaving like that. Mm. So as soon as we were retrenched in mass as uh, the controllers, uh, you know, the first call <laughs> I got was from Sarah. <laughs> so Dr. Jumbu was then the director of Misa Zimbabwe said, can you join, she was at the treasurer of the VOP board which was then led by Dr. Faith Ndebele. Mm-hmm. So they, and together with David Masunda, who was the treasurer, they, they invited me to an interview and they gave me the job. Uh, <laughs> when they gave me the job, the police had just visited. <laughs> so the day I... Baptism I, of fire. I, yeah, baptism of fire. So the, I got that job 
uh, I told my family that uh, there was a, a lot, you know, of, uh, you know, remarks against the station. Studio 7 had not started uh, at that time, but the pirate station, there were so many internet, uh, you know, news channels again. So I, I joined. And a week after I had joined, you know, I just left the office. And the following morning as I was preparing uh, to come to work, our administrator, <laughs> Rachel, phoned and said, Mr. Masugu, where are you? I said, I'm, I'm at home. I'm, I'm preparing to come to work. And you better come right now. Then I was afraid. Uh, why should I come? I said, no, I won't come until you tell me. I said, there's no more office. Hmm. The offices had been bombed. And up to now, uh, we've, we don't know who bombed the offices. And uh, the, Your office was bombed. It was bombed to, you know, it was a big story those days. Yeah. It was bombed. By the time I got there, it was full of policemen, you know, you know, many people were there. And I couldn't even see the building because it was ashes. So, so you find the office bombed. How did that make you feel? Well, <laughs> it made me frightened, uh, the situation, because... I just left the office in the evening. Everything was intact. And coming back to the office, finding, you know, everything gone, you know, furniture, except my broadcasting books and my Bibles, those ones were untouched. And so I, you know, I said, you know, uh, thank, thank God, you know, I wasn't affected because this could have, because it happened in the middle of the night. But uh, somehow, uh, after meeting with colleagues and so forth, we were not afraid to continue. We met, uh, the board met, but and we continued. Get, you do get, John, mm. and I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be to sit exactly where you are at that particular moment. Yes. You do get shaken. Yes, you it? do. You do ask yourself questions. Uh, why am I doing this? Why have they done this? Who's done this? Before you meet the colleagues. Walk me through that space. Well, we... We were very, very frightened, but uh, those days there was uh, a lot of talk against uh, the so-called pirate stations. So we didn't know whether it had come from the state, we had no evidence, whether it had come from any other individuals, uh, because it happened right in the middle of the night, and uh, our studio uh, went into flames and so forth. Uh, and, you know, many people who came were surprised to see that I had actually left ZBC and I was associated with the station and sympathized with me before walking away mm. and so forth. But uh, like so I said... The, then I, the, the next question, John, uh, Brad John, is you, your office gets bombed. Mm. You see the, the rebels. Mm. There's a Bible that, that survived. But you continue going on in this field, in this profession. What keeps you going? Well, the love for the job, the passion I had for broadcasting. And... Uh, trying to dismiss the notion that the such stations were against uh, you know, government or against anyone, but uh, you know, to push the professional standards through these uh, programs. Of course, I know uh, some of uh, the, these private stations indeed were abusive uh, you know, to their countries, but we tried to make radio VOP as professional as it could be. And I think, uh, Trevor, uh, it helped because uh, I continued uh, having that respect in the media for quite some time. Mm. You know, you remember I was the spokesperson of the, yeah. the presidential Kalima Mukante Commission of Inquiry uh, into the August 18, the 2018 shootings. And many people were taken by surprise mm. how 
I could be appointed. I, I'm going to get, we're going to take a break and then okay. I'll come back and we talk about that. Okay. Uh, please don't go away. Uh, join us uh, after the break for our conversation with Bra John Masu. We thought that you were an enemy of the state. How come the state has appointed you to this important job? Imagine getting free access to the Newsday, the Standard, the Zimbabwe Independent, and the Weekly Digest for a full month. Well, you can. And all you need to do is download the Newsday e-reader app on Google Play Store or scan the Newsday QR code in any of the AMH print publications and start enjoying the quality content. Welcome back to our conversation with uh, Brajon. So Brajon, 2018, after the elections, um, you get appointed to be the spokesperson for the Mohlande Commission. And I'm like, this is the man whose office was bombed. He doesn't know who bombed the office, but he's now he's a, a, a spokesperson for a job that appears like a, a government job. Did you look for this job or they look for you? Well, I was headhunted, but I went for an interview with others mm. and I was successful and I was very excited to be successful. But there were a lot of surprises from colleagues, from family and so forth. Tata, we thought that you were an enemy of the state. How come the state has appointed you to this important job? Uh, I mean, you are being employed by the office of the president and cabinet. We have a contract with you, although you are working independently with this commission and so forth. I said... I'm going to do the job as a professional. Were you surprised uh, that you got the job? Well, uh, I was surprised, uh, but uh, when I I was invited for the interview, uh, I was really looking forward to the job, <laughs> and uh, I did my best to prepare for it, mm. and uh, I was excited uh, that uh, the commissioners, after mm. interviewing me and other colleagues, uh, I was able to be offered the job, uh, and which I think... I executed to the best of my knowledge, and you know it was a high-profile job. Yeah. Can you imagine being spokesperson for a former president, Motlante, yeah. and the former secretary general of the Commonwealth, mm. uh, you know, Chief Emeka Nyawuku, and other dignitaries were there, and even the commissioners themselves, high-profile people and so forth. So it was a great, great honor uh, in my uh, media I, career. I, I, I believe, John, that when the country calls you to serve and you're able to serve, we should serve. Yes. Um, so I think let, let me make that uh, that clear. Um, what were the surprises for you as far as the assignment was concerned? I mean, this this was a, a this was a high profile, sensitive uh, assignment at the time when the nation is 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 trying to find its feet. Uh, is is this new dispensation going to work? Uh, is the is is the opposition going to come into some GNU of some sort? What is the, what were the surprises for you? Well, uh, surprises or some of the things really uh, I never thought I'll be involved with is to actually be talking about both the government side and the opposition side being summoned and actually confirming on national and international media and uh, also, uh, you know, giving that hope that uh, this commission is balanced with all those attacks and me being the defender, you know, something oh, but this commissioner shouldn't be there because they are pro a ruling party, this and that. Uh, to me, uh, I, when I found myself in that uh, uh, situation without taking any side, 
uh, I thought that was quite maybe not a, a surprise as such, but mm. uh, something that was uh, uh, outstanding. And each time I even view the videos and listen to audios right now, it's something that uh, I admire about myself. Do you think the, the job of the commission was 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 completed? Was done? It was completed. completed. They did a good job. Mm. And not that I want them to call me back, but uh, the commission did. They were very professional. Mm. Uh, they left. Uh, you know, there are other jackets, whether they belong to parties or to NGOs or to private practice and concentrated on that job. And their recommendations, I think, were very, very clear. And I also think that I profiled them very, very well, mm. internationally, local. But there's so a sense, forth. John, that the recommendations have not been fully implemented. Well, that is, not their, that is not their job. Okay. They were appointed by the chief executive of the country to bring the facts, which they did. Mm. You know, they researched, they interviewed different people, they got all uh, points of view, they made indications, you know, as to what should be done uh, to the government. And like any commission of inquiry, theirs was then to go back to the CEO of Zimbabwe, His Excellency Idim to say, here we are. And that now remains with the government to implement. And they cannot, or neither can the spokesperson comment about that, that then uh, is for the government to consider. We will, we will not uh, push the spokesperson to comment on that, <laughs> but we will move the spokesperson to something that's very exciting, yes. JM Archives. Talk to me about the inspiration behind the JM Archives. First of all, what is it? What's the ins inspiration? I'm glad you're one of my uh, biggest followers on JM Archives. This is uh, my own way. I haven't written a book. I've written quite a lot of articles, as you recall, that I started writing about radio, uh, from Radio Post uh, around 1975 when it was established. I also wrote for Look and Listen, when Look and Listen Man Publishing uh, took both uh, Look and Listen and Radio Post from ZBC. And I continue to write for Radio World International and Red Tech a Magazine about radio issues and so forth. But over and above that, I feel that there's a lot about our history in the media uh, that is not known. And GM Archives is trying to chronicle some of those things that happened in our media. And I deliberately throw in a number of names uh, in order for people re to remember. People like you, that's why you still remember uh, my colleague, Maguire Godzongere, mm. uh, and so forth. The idea being to discuss that past mm. and also lead into the future because Without that past, it may be difficult even to build our future. Mm -hmm. So the GM archives are not necessarily about radio, but radio, media, and in all of them, I must be there somewhere. So you find that uh, if it's about radio, GM uh, himself with John Masu is mentioned. Mm -hmm. If it's about television, I mentioned. If it is about uh, personalities of the time of the 60s or 70s, you know, how do I fit into that? Mm -hmm. So I, I fit in my life uh, into JM Archives even long before uh, I had joined broadcasting because I was an avid reader of magazines like Drum, Warner, and so forth, following, you know, stories from Cyril Jennings, all the, you know, the films that we used to watch. You know, that's why each time I, I go to where I grew up in Ifield, I take photos and then give the history of that particular place. I, I grew up during the time of the nationalist struggle in the, in the 60s, where when we seated in the class, you just saw a stone you know, missing you and you have to, you know, to run away. And by the way, uh, when I was in uh, grade two, I was in Sabi, uh, around where former president 
Robert Mugabe lived, there was a, a, a house which was bombed to ashes. That's where a late ambassador, Kocho Tube, lived. It was bent into ashes. And we heard that bomb blast when we were in class at Mejia Primary School. And we all ran to see what was taking place there. And the house was, there was no idea what type of a house uh, there was and so forth. So I, I chronicle all those things. And people find them amusing. Absolutely. You know, when VOP was bombed, you know, the first person I met mm. when uh, I was looking aside whether someone was following me or anything, I met Kocho Tube. I said, you know what has happened? The doctor Tube said, what has happened, Masu? I said, like, what you experienced in 1962? They've done it to me. They've done it to me. <laughs> <laughs> the offices have been oh. So, you writing that pirate special? <laughs> so, so that you've also done another beautiful thing. Yes. Thing, rather. You're founder of uh, BES, which is a journalism and media studies school, made in Bulawayo. Talk to me about the inspiration again behind that. When I was transferred to Montreux Studios, to lead Montreux Studios as the controller or uh, the general manager of Montreux Studios, I felt that uh, there were few Ndebele-speaking journalists simply because everyone had to go to Harare. And it was very difficult to leave Ulawayo, Gwanda, or Wange to come and live in Harare and be at Kosa or at Harare Polytechnic. Only a few would be taken. Because why I knew it was because I was teaching at Kosa, I was teaching at Harare uh, Polytechnic. So when I went to Ulawayo, I noticed that gap. And then I discussed the issue with my colleague, Opet Spanda, who is a mm. businessman, mm. Uh, was running a college. And I said, there's this gap where we can actually teach journalism here. Mm. said, no, we can do that. We can apply to the Ministry of Higher Education. And, and we did that, and the license was granted to us. And that's how BES was born. And I'm glad to how say... Many, how many students do you take in a, in a year? I'm no longer involved with okay. BES, but at that time, we're talking about 30 students okay. and we would interview all of them. Okay. And I can tell you, some of them are now station managers. Wow. Some of them are working for international broadcasting stations. That's beautiful, we are, isn't it? And even newspapers. So we are very, very proud of that. We even started BA School of Journalism in Blawayo before NAST launched their journalism school. Mm. So we are proud of that uh, milestone. And others actually went from that diploma uh, uh, level to continue their studies at NAST. And it's something that we're proud we, we, of. we share something. Uh, we have something in common, apart from being in journalism, is that we were both taught by Ndumiso Kumete. Not only that, I don't know about you being taught by Ndumiso Kumete. Congratulations, you were taught by the best teacher. <laughs> but we're also recipients of the Press Freedom Award. Mm, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. But, you know, I go to Ndumiso Kumete because... He was such a may so rest in peace. Mm -hmm. What an amazing guy. So Dumiso Gumede uh, taught me um maths. Those uh, was in Zilligas, yes. yes. Mm -hmm. And um I had a ruler um um in in, in on my desk that had uh, Trevor Ngobe form two uh B, form four B, six B, then university. Dumiso Gumede comes and looks at that ruler and laughs, says you are joking. We are Shlegawana. You think you're going to do this stuff? Mm -hmm. And from time to time, I would meet with uh, Ndumiso and we would talk about that. What What is your favorite memory of uh, this amazing guy? I think you already know that I wrote a lot uh, about uh, our former teacher. He was so witty. He was so funny. He taught me at Highfield Secondary School. And he also taught some of the big names at Highfield Secondary School. Though People like Oliver Katea. Uh, who played for Dynamos, Rodrigo Mganiri, uh, who played for Plegasis, uh, the Shekitauros, 
the Peter Augustinos. So, and he also taught with some of the well-known teachers like Enyas Chigwedere, Maurice Tabri, and so forth. He was a great man, very funny, but a very effective. Oh, man. Yes, a very, very effective uh, teacher of mathematics. Mm. Uh, was loved by he all. He didn't spare the road, eh? <laughs> he would uh, yes. he would whip your heart. You, I never got whipped by him. I did. But, uh, I yeah, did. Yeah, not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. did. Yeah. John, you know, the, the I must go back to um, the celebrating these names that um, you reminded me of. Um, and I like what you're doing with JM Archives. Thank you. Which is celebrating each other. We need mm. to do that. And this is why we do in conversation with Trevor, celebrate each other and find lessons that our lives tell to others. And, you know, people like Amon Nyamambi, people like Lukum Kandlakein, Utandwe Kumalo, John Matinde, Musi Kumalo, Webster Shamu, Ephraim Chamber, Wellington Bofana, Maguire Godzongere, Ray Chirisa. I'm saying this, John, to say, You've done well for this country. Let me tell you one thing, Trevor. Uh, you've seen me writing about what I knew about those people. And some families have actually come to me, especially young children, mm. and said, we saw on Facebook, you wrote a lot about our father to our uncle that we didn't know. We saw a picture of our father in the studio at our home. We don't even have that picture. Mm. Can you tell, tell me more about my father? Mm. Because he was born when I was a year old. Two years old and so forth, and that really touches me and also inspires me to keep on writing. Keep, keep on doing what you're doing, uh, John. You know we love books on this show. Hey, yes. I'm not going to let you go before we share your favorite books with our book-loving audience who are out there. What three books, John, have you read that you recommend to our, to our audience? Well, I've read uh, many books, but generally I like reading short books, short stories, uh, articles, yeah, a magazine. Mm. Uh, but as for books, uh, the one that I recently read, which I enjoyed, was about my friend Mike Daka. He's a Zambian journalist who started a radio station in Chipata. Is, in Mike? Zambia. is he still alive? Yes, he's retired. Uh, but uh, his a son, he told, me, he told me that his son uh, is uh, running uh, the radio station very well. He's happy at his farm. Yes, I know you and I, when we used to travel to West Africa and East Africa, Mike also used to join yes, us on those trips. Yes. So yes, Mike is there and I, I enjoyed reading what his is, book. What is his and, book and called, sorry? It's called... Uh, in Pursuit of Freedoms okay. by a Zambian journalist, Mike Daga. It goes along that title. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Another, two, book. books? Another uh, two books? Well, the story of my life, Joshua Nkomo, because right. it's the story that describes what I know best. Joshua Nkomo used uh, to appear mainly around Machipisa Shopping Center, and us as youngsters would go at the Chinamora residence uh, to see him, and with all that fame and so forth. And most of the things that he writes about there are things that I'm very, very familiar with, and we have seen some yeah, of them in JM archives. Yeah. So I really enjoyed the, the reading. Third book. Uh, and then the third one is a book that I read before I could go around different countries training broadcasters, before I even received my formal training from the BBC in London called A Technique of Radio Production by Robert McLeish, 
who then became my lecturer at BBC in broadcast management. It's a book that I will read over and over again Fantastic. because it uh, really strengthened me at a time when I, I thought I didn't have enough tools. John, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot and I'm going to ask you to address your camera and, and, and talk to Zimbabweans in Shona and Debele on why it's important to be conversant in those two languages. Ugutisazi <laughs> Uyezwe, ya kusimudzirwa kana kuma universities. Chinu chino kosha chaizo. Saka ngati regerei kutarisa, kana kutarisira mitauro iipasi. Ngati simudzirei, ngati taurei, ngati zizisanei kunyanya nevana wadichi. Ini, endaka zona, sezona, ndangandiri international coordinator, we will read your day, Dichishandra United Nations. Saka rurimi, pandimi the United Nations, wanda eh, iziva chirungu English. Asi zunzuyesa zwendai nyora, dezo una, zwatuliki kwa mchi Russian, zwaenda kuchi China, zwaenda kuchi eh, Spanish, eh, ndakawa na rumimbad, kune six ndimi the United Nations, apo minds kwa kana, tumayona zwini, zwandini nenda tulika kana kunyora, zwagubuda. Saka ngati koshe sehi, ndimi zedu, gasi, kaya tegi se, ndimi zedu, treja, eh, treva. Angazu mtu wenaroku sa wazini huti, intu tu itunga gosu kukanga, kakikanda, kakikanda mkukiri. Beautiful. Lovely talking to you. And I put you on the spot, John, because um, to our viewers out there, I really believe that nation building happens if we understand each other. And that knowing our languages, the 11 languages, 11 official languages, am I right? 16. 16 yeah. official languages. In the constitution. Um, in the constitution. It, 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 it helps not just to speak one language, English and Debele uh, or English and Shona. Try and, and speak as more of our languages as possible. I actually wish that the government would make it mandatory that uh, we learn more than one language so that we understand each other. John, what a privilege um, having you on in conversation. This is our way of celebrating you. This is our way of saying thank you <laughs> thank for you the very work much, that Eva. you've done. To it was nice uh, having conversation with you. My thank brother. you very much, yes. John. Allow me to turn to our viewers who are all over the world who watch this show every Monday. We are on YouTube, 7 a.m. Central African time. To ensure that you don't miss out on any of these quality conversations, I invite you please to click onto the subscribe button. Remember to share, remember to like. Also go to our website where we've got all our conversations on podcast for your listening pleasure. We read all your comments uh, and this, we love the suggestions that you, you, you make as to who should uh, uh, be coming to be a guest. Until next time, we thank you all and cheers.